This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 411, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Everybody wants to laugh, but nobody wants to cry. Hey, 
and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 411. I'm Josh Flanagan. With me are Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. One end. And Paul Montgomery. Well met, good sirs. Did I spell my name wrong? No, no okay. I just I just wanted <laughs> to know. You made me look, which is funny. All right. Yeah, continue. that would be great, by the way. Like, <laughs> I spelled it C-O-N-N-E-R. Damn it. We are iFanboy. Uh, we like comics. We talk about them. That's why we've been doing this podcast for 38 years. <laughs> uh, one of us picks the best book that they read that week. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about it here on the show along with other books in the week and some other stuff. And uh, there'll be a dash of nonsense is my guess. I hope so. That's, that's what I've been looking forward to all just week. Just a dash, just a pinch. Not too. Yeah, no one a, wants too much nonsense. No, not no. too much. Well, just a bit. Before we get to the show, here's your reminder warning. The, this show is talking about the books that came out this week. We're going to talk about what happens in them. If you are sensitive to spoilage, which is the French term for spoilers. Is it? Le spoilage. Yeah. I, don't look that up, but you're just going to trust it, me on that one. Get out of your spoiler inhaler and you'll be all right. <laughs> Living in a bubble. Uh, then we're going to talk about spoilers, so come back after you've read your books if that's the kind of thing that bothers you. Otherwise, whatever. Connor, you got the pick this week. Amazing. Yes, I uh, had a good amount of books this week as opposed to last week's fifth week event, which, you know, we all know how that went. Fifth week non-event. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know there were some good ones. I enjoyed them. And I actually had a book in mind for the pick up until the very end. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, the last book I ended up reading in my stack was Amazing X-Men number one, and that ended up being the pick of the week. Written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Ed McGinnis, and this is the new X-Men title that's coming out of the Battle for the Atom, or Battle of the Atom uh, event that just happened. So they're spawning a new title uh, to go along with all the other ones. I don't believe this is replacing anything. Do you um, think that there's a chart somewhere that just shows all of the like proper nouns and then all of the well-used <laughs> adjectives, and they just... like? Like they're like, how far are we through the chart? And like, we're at fifty-five percent. Okay, okay, we don't have to think of anything. Good. I like to think it's like a magic eight ball that they shake. There's a lot of adjectives out there, <laughs> so they're um, never gonna get. But there's here. a reason that they use amazing because because uh, Firestar's in here. Yeah, it's it. I'm I'm thinking it's causing a little market confusion. So amazing X Men and the, the also the X Men parts, the original X Men logo from the old '60s comic, which is cool. Um, which I just noticed right now is uh, Jason Aaron's kind of return to the glory days of Wolverine and the X-Men, which had been one of my favorite books for a long time. Um, it, it sort of got away from uh, what I liked about it, which is sort of the fun school aspect. And this this returns to that with the addition of Firestar, as Paul just mentioned, who is coming to be the new physics teacher at the Gene uh, uh, Gray School for Higher Learning. And so now we get to have her introduced into the Wolverine and the X-Men family. through. Uh, it's a typical... You know, new person comes and so you see the world through their eyes, and this is actually a great issue to jump onto. Yeah, if you're a new X Men well, reader, it is number one. Well, no, but this is a this really does lay out the whole Wolverine the X Men uh, world. If you haven't been reading that book but have been curious, this is a great way to to learn it. Um, and I just first of all, I, I mean, Ed McGinnis. I love, I'm a big Ed McGinnis fan. I think I think he's actually really good for this book because uh, he draws. It's uh, it's very big and bright art, and I don't want to. Pigeonhole this as an all-ages book. We thought we've had this discussion before in regards to Wolverine and the X-Men in that I feel like it's a very good all-ages book without being dumbed down. And I think this is more of the same. I think this is well, it's, a, it's a counterpart to that. It feels like like Wolverine and the X-Men is more about the students and this will be more about the teachers or the faculty of the Jean Grey school. Mm-hmm. That's that that's my sense anyway. And the opening arc is the return of Nightcrawler, is the quest right. for Nightcrawler. 
And um, I love McGinnis's Wolverine on here. He's like he's, stubby. He is stubby, and I, I like that. You know, because it's there's been that tendency to make him that Hugh Jackman sex symbol over the years. But here, he like he comes up to Storm's shoulder. And he Stubby looks, Wolverine is the best Wolverine. He looks like he weighs he, about 300 pounds. And he is pounds. flirting. He's talking about having sex in the Oh, show. no, I'm not saying he's not the sex with, symbol with in the comments. I'm no, but it's funny, yeah. it's funny that they, they bring that up and, and like you look at the two of them together and you're like, all right, that's, that he's takes a, all he's kinds of He's a little puckish in this issue. But, uh, <laughs> yes. uh, I, there's, I like, a, there's a fetish for everyone. I liked the uh, – we get sort of a Spider-Man and his amazing friends reunion here as Iceman is one of the – That's right, yeah, Iceman and Firestar, right? And – Firestar's got a little thing for Iceman because he's he's suddenly become the stud of the X Men universe and uh, he's the Nightwing of Marvel universe and uh, you know they meet and she's like oh this guy's cute and meanwhile uh, the crazy Shi'ar teacher has got her eyes on him now that his girlfriend. Well, how do we how do we find that out though? Is through thought bubbles, right? Uh, which I saw which I saw Jason Aaron talking about on Twitter a while ago and saying that he wanted to bring that back that we don't usually see that so much anymore. So I think between yeah, this. But to, well, but yeah, that, that's true with, with like Mighty Avengers, um, yeah. and then the first. But but um, this also with Remender doing sort of the Claremont's captions, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. So, so this like this generation of writers looking back at some of the stuff that was popular when they were younger well, and the form of never actually gone away. They just got but, put into square well, boxes as caption boxes. That, that's you know, right. What's, yeah. what's really interesting about that though is that you had this whole generation that tried to get away from what were very basic tropes. You know the, the the thought balloons and the and the narration captions. So you had this whole generation, like I probably the '86 and on generation that that said, "Well, let's let's not do that stuff anymore. It's silly." And now there's this like recidivism of like all these guys going, "Let's let's go back and play with this stuff." Well, it's funny because I didn't even really notice it until Paul, I did. I noticed Paul it. just said it because I'm so it, I, I'm so used to seeing the what's going on in their heads in the in the caption boxes. It's the same right. dialogue. You know that happens I didn't, in the thought bubble. I, I didn't even notice it. I didn't notice it until the frame that 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 Paul's actually talking about the panel uh, where where she thinks that uh, Bobby is hot. Ironically, because it's inter, it's interspersed with dialogue because yeah. it's word balloons I and thought bubbles. I don't think I even saw it before, although I must have been registering it because like when she's talking to herself as she's walking up and not Jean Grey, as <laughs> I must have missed that word. Actually, I didn't miss that word because the first page says Jean Grey. And then you see the girl in the red hair because right. it's talking about the locations, the Jean Grey school. I mean, I got a little confused sometimes. And there have been really multiple genes lately with Battle of the Atoms. There so. are a lot of red-haired girls. I can't help but think that this is some <laughs> fetish that someone can't get over. And Chris Claremont's not there, oh, so I don't Rachel, have the two genes. So anyway, now. the main point of this thrust of the story is that uh, Nightcrawler. I will been, get off topic. Nightcrawler's been hanging out in heaven, and uh, he's a little sad. Even though he's in heaven, in his, you know where he sh- where he should be happy, he misses his his friends. He's been working for that his whole life, he and now his that life he's on there. Earth. And uh, heaven gets attacked by Azazel and his little Banff demons, and so now we're going to have the return of Nightcrawler as uh, we get, get mis- he's, as he gets mixed up with the X Men who also get attacked by Azazel, or figure out that the Banff that been that have been flooding the school actually came from somewhere. And uh, so this is going to end up with Nightcrawler coming. They're back. building like a portal device, and um, they're like little gremlins, like the not the, you know, not the '80s gremlins, but the gremlins that are on the airplane wings. And um, it's, just, it, I, I, it's a ton of fun. And we talked about this. Was it last time or the week before about you know how Marvel really embraces the fun side of things lately, and DC doesn't. And and uh, it's funny. It's a sort of high adventure. There's a big pirate ship in space in the last page, and 
you know, Nightcrawler has his two swords. And it's just there's a lot of swashbuckling adventure in these books, which I really do do enjoy. Right, McGinnis is absolutely perfect for it. Yeah, like and like I was the action beats and the comedy beats and all that stuff really well. Nice cartooning. Yeah, I think like that like coming up like I was I was a huge fan of Nightcrawler. I just I loved the visual of Nightcrawler when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. and I remembered having the action figure with the suction cups on his kneecaps and his elbows and stuff. And um, I so. It's cool to to see him back because he is like sort of the heart of the team, and um, there are several hearts of the team. But well, there are several um, teams, so they can have. And there are hearts. several many permutations of of individual teams, and but uh, he's get, he's fantastic. Uh, we get like six there's six pages of of him sort of hopping around with the swords in action, which yeah. is pretty indulgent, and that's not a complaint. Yeah, no, it's good. That, it, that's a great sequence. It's a lot of fun, and. Uh, it's it, what's cool is that maybe think of the movie version, which you know you don't. It's also intertwined now, but I that was like I loved that version of. I thought he was great. Yeah. Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. Nightcrawler hasn't really been around for a while. He showed up here and there. There was that the dark version of him in the X Force story, but this is the this is like the true blue Nightcrawler, and uh, it's great. And I don't know how long McGinnis will be in this book. He doesn't tend to stay in books very long, but I'm gonna enjoy his art on it while it lasts. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the next issue. I was really excited. You know. I like the idea of maybe Wolverine being in heaven because, um, I mean, we've seen him in hell. Um, right. So that's it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, mix. I like the idea of, of uh, Nightcrawler being in a place where Abraham Lincoln and who was the other person having the apple eating contest? Um, oh, anyway, he's not happy. And I like that idea. Yeah. Some, someone who's so religious. You know, it's he, Harry Houdini, wasn't it? It was, it was Houdini and, and Lincoln yeah. eating crab apples. So I really liked it a lot. Uh, amazing X-Men number one is a great jumping on point uh, for the X-Men world if you're interested in that. We've been talking it up a lot lately because it's been really strong and it continues with this newest book. Um, but the pick, the book that was going to be the pick bef- up until the very last moment was Action Comics 25. I was which, curious. Which is also the, uh, a starting point, a jumping on point. It's the new creative team of Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter who uh, has done some very interesting work and is clearly uh, quietly... Wasn't he, wasn't, wasn't he on uh, Dukes of Hazzard? Yes, who's Cooter? <laughs> Cooter was, he ran, Aaron Cooter ran the garage, <laughs> fixed their cars, and uh, always greasy. You know, there's, you can see the grease on the pages where they couldn't really clean it off. Um, That's the thing you don't get with digital career. comics. And the thing is, his books are late because Daisy, Daisy Duke's always walking by and gets distracted, and you know how that works. That's- um, well, it was interesting, you know, the the, the artwork, I, I've really liked his stuff before. This is a, a slightly different style of his work, a little flatter, um, a little less of the Quietly influence in it. And I wonder why that is, but I still liked it. Um, we get two sort of little stories here, and this is a zero-year tie-in. And I was like, man, to have to be saddled. But although I'm enjoying zero-year. What was great about Bat- it was we got to Batman. go back to the beginning. Of exactly. We get to see <laughs> that. That the um, shirt and boots, uh, t-shirt and boots, uh, Superman, which was such a, like one of the cool ideas coming out of the new Fifty Two, and I felt like we got away from that too soon. But what's what's cool about it is that um, it, it it seems like that's always going to be there for writers to go back and revisit um, that time, and it's just a cool part, like in addition to the Superman mythos, um, to have the Superman that doesn't exactly know how to be Superman yet. Yeah, really, and it, it really gets to explore. A character who we know so well figuring out what he can do and can't do. 
I yes. I also really liked. I, I was I was I was really impressed by this, and I was yeah. like, this is what this is what yeah. I wanted. This was. This I mean, is, this is, I mean, you can tell. You can, you can see why this was this was going to be the pickup. In yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that was really nice is that when Grant Morrison's uh, Action Comics came along, and he was standing there in his T-shirt, and he was kind of a snot. I think people were taken aback by it. Yeah. But I think that with this book, one of the things that he does is you're watching him kind of work through that. And, and you know, if you're really, really good at a lot of things and nothing can stop you, it takes a great deal of personal awareness to not be a dipshit. Right. And I think that that's what you're seeing in this. And what the other thing that you get to see is you get to see him as a kid a little more before he's like, wow, I'm awesome, you know, <laughs> just before that. So it yeah. gives that a little perspective. And you also, because you've been reading through this, you know how he turns out. So you, you, you can watch him take the journey, basically. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, he's amazed by himself through most of this. And why shouldn't he be? <laughs> he's, look, I'm smiling again. I got to stop that. Yeah, and his powers are his powers are developing. He's like he yeah. like that that was new. I, I felt something through my feet that was coming through the ground, and that's something I haven't experienced before. And it's kind of cool to see firsts for Superman, other yes. than the stuff that we see, you know, the origin stuff that we see so many times. This is a, kind of a new wrinkle. I like and his hubris. Yeah, <laughs> and you know. I can stop a hurricane. You, yeah, you see, yeah, she's gonna fight a storm. I, lo- I love. Well, that. if you're a guy like that and you can do anything, right? Yeah. You think, well, what the hell? I'll stop a hurricane, and he goes to do it, and it doesn't quite work as well as he as he hoped it would. Um, but it's like the perfect metaphor for like being young and not knowing your limitations yet, yeah. and feeling like you're immortal. I really love that panel of him jumping, and he says, it "Almost feels like flying." And he's, yeah. He's sort yeah. of off in the distance. It just, I like that image of the leaping Superman. And he does like a like a big like belly laugh at you know defeating these guys that were clearly outclassed by him, yeah. and he's and he like he he feels bad about it, but he's like I couldn't help myself. Um, he's learning, which is fun. He's learning, and so to see, so to, like I think Morrison showed like the outside of that, and but but what Pac is doing is is like really internalizing it, and we actually get to see. Oh wait, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, um, and that helps. To, to reconcile that with the Superman that we know. So I'm really excited about this. I can read Action Comics again. I'm, th- I'm thrilled as a Superman fan. So. And I like the, the second story too, which was sort of an Astro City-esque day in the life of Clark Kent who can't even take a lunch break because he can hear everything that's happening mm-hmm. that he should be dealing with and then trying to deal with it as best as he can. Did it sound like he was narrating it from the future though? Because he's like, one day I'm going to be able to hear everything. Or was that him being... Hmm. Prescient. You know what I'm saying? Good question. I didn't think about that. Uh, is how would he know? What I think it's, uh, be like, you know what? I think it's it? probably. I think it's probably narrating from the future. Yeah, like looking back at himself. Yeah, that makes um, the most sense. Just, I think that. Makes and so that's going to continue. It looks like this story with Lana Lang, yeah. who I thought really good handle on on Lana Lang, and you get why Clark would be enamored of her. Yeah. Um, She's a and little bit, a uh, little on the nose, like a little, nose. a little too much. Like I'm gonna throw myself into danger. I don't even care, and like kept repeating it. If, if I had any complaints, it would be a little of that. But it's, she, it's, she, it's, she, she looks, she leaps without looking, like Kirk. Josh. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's it's a Superman comic, so I I don't know why I'm looking for uh, subtlety. And it's also the first one, so hopefully. Yeah, you know there'll be some nuance added to that. But as, also, like that's also be continuing story. It's flashback. that reminds me very much of Lois, and I don't know Superman it, well enough to give you the the sort of specifics between the two of them. But it seemed that seemed like a very Lois characteristic. Well, he may have a type. 
She who's is. Guy? She is very lesbian. Yeah, it, it, it is his type, and like, what would I know? But like, one of the things that I like is is to know uh, if there's just two characters in his in his in his life or in his past, then I like to know the differences between them because I think that's what makes it interesting. One has red hair character. and one has brown <laughs> no, well, hair. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, you know, Mary Jane and, and, uh, Gwen. and Gwen Stacy are ostensibly different. At least they are in the ultimate universe. I don't, right. I don't, I can't speak <laughs> to the other one. Um, this is fine. I, I mean, the water is now fine to jump back in Superman fans who have been yeah. waiting for a, a better Superman book. Um, this was good. Now, I also really enjoyed Green Arrow 25, which was also a zero-year tie-in. Um, I actually really enjoy these zero-year tie-ins because you get to go back and see these characters in a younger state. And this was heavily bearded, scraggly, just off the island, well, he, Oliver Queen. He needs a beard. He's awesome. He does. <laughs> why, did, why would you have him not have a beard? Homeless, homeless beard, Ollie Queen is pretty awesome. Homeless, um, vagrant beard, Ollie Queen. What's really interesting was I was reading this and thinking, have have the Batman books been delayed? Because I feel like, because remember we got the giant issue last time, and then I feel like it's been a while. Because this yeah. issue we actually got young Batman, which we haven't really gotten in the other book. He just sort of appears at the very end. Yeah, of I book. saw the glove. I was like, oh, look at that. So yeah, we almost glove. get our real introduction to the young Batman here as opposed to the Batman book because of... It may or may not be delayed. I just feel like it has been, just because I feel like I haven't read it in forever. But uh, I, I, I should, yeah. It, it, uh, maybe it's just because it's, it's scheduled like, you know, a monthly comic and not like a crazy schedule, like you know, yeah. some of the things we've been reading, like every we, two, three weeks. Literally, everything else is coming out every week and a half. So, so it I, maybe it's just a matter of perspective. But um, it, it, sh- it, it probably this probably shouldn't have happened because you know I did see that it was a zero year time. But when I saw Sorrentino's Batman in here, that yeah. that. That first appearance, I I like gasped because, and it, I mean part of it was just that's a really good young bat like a year one yeah. kind of Batman. I I would love to see him do more Batman art. Yeah, it's great. Uh, very I sort of scary was, and light, like a little live, very light, not like a bodybuilder body, and it was very sort of Jay Lee esque. Um, but I like so the story. I, Go ahead. Yeah, I thought this yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, and I was going along with it just fine. But you know what got me excited, don't you? Um. Is that Sinkevich? It is Sinkevich. I don't know what that story is about or who that character is. I, I, mean, I remember him from the past, but whatever. I don't care. Sinkevich, your ink all over the Sinkevich place, and we will Sinkevich till dawn. Yes. And I'm fond of that. Yes. You're right. It is Sinkevich. The Dennis Cowan Sinkevich stuff was great. Yeah. I really like. I, this is the backup we're talking about? Yeah, the about? backup story. Yeah. Dennis Cowan, yeah. Uh, he's a great inker. I mean, I mean, although I guess he's a bad inker in the sense that he he really imposes his style on the person drawing. I just don't care. Whatever, whatever. The, <laughs> melding, really the melding of his style with the penciler style always ends up really interesting. And yeah, uh, um, I like this issue a lot. You know, the, main the one the one was, thing that's a the one thing that's a little weird about it is that it's they're getting so close to the Arrow TV series, right? And that like this is like the hood at this point, and like the stuff with Diggle. Um, and I, I, I really enjoy that relationship on the TV show, and I'm kind of glad that they're bringing Diggle more and more into this world. Um, is the, I'm sorry, is the character called Diggle on the TV show? Yes. Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. I wonder if he gets a residual for that. Um, what's <laughs> yes, the- at first I thought it was just going to be like an homage, but then like he's become like he's really coming to his own like a like sort of a Coulson kind of way, and um, they're, they're great together. And um, it's a little weird because – there's so many similar and like playing with the island. There's so many parallels, but then it's also different. Mm-hmm. 
and there is an Arrow comic book that's based on the TV show. So it's it's uh, in some ways I think Lemire is kind of improving upon what they're doing in the TV show, and then but it's so close that it's a little jarring. So uh, Batman number twenty four, the last issue mm-hmm. that was out on October 9th. So one month. Okay, interesting. Well, um, was let me ask you guys a question. If you if you were in the middle of like a cataclysm sort of scenario <laughs> where the uh, power was out and you know there's people running wild. Would you would you recognize a, a lost billionaire running by in a scraggly beard? <laughs> because the whole story is that Oliver. If I was his mother, Oliver's well, yeah, but Oliver's mother has gone to Gotham to help in the cat in the thing, and she's been she's in, she's trapped because the the Riddler set off his uh, MP bomb, and uh, Oliver returns to Star City and immediately you know finds that out and immediately heads out to to save her. And but they're but the guy in charge of the company is very worried people will recognize him. And I was like, eh, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I feel it, like you know got what? Other things to worry about. Yeah, the, at least that's a concession to it. The, sure. the normally people are complaining about the other. Right. Why doesn't anybody recognize this guy? At least they're <laughs> saying maybe somebody will recognize him. I guess it depends on how much he's on the tabloids. I guess, but he's been gone for whatever. It was just it was just funny. Like they did that. They did that with uh, with Nova. Um, one of the previous issues where his girlfriend recognizes and like you're just wearing a helmet like I, your voice is the same like you're you know yeah. so I I kind of like that that they're actually I really like the Sorrentino being realistic about it. I, I the the moth or Mothman character he he makes sort of silly looking characters really creepy yes yeah and uh, like the the page the double page spread with the boom across the front when the explosion goes off is yeah I'm assuming these are his character designs. Like that, they're not someone else. I mean, they're clearly not Jim Lee character design. <laughs> he makes that. But Batman I'm saying, like, the, pretty good. Yeah, he, he should. He should be doing character designs. The you, yeah. There's not enough. Uh, scenes. I mean, in addition to what he's doing already, but. Um, so uh, this was the first issue of Earth Two, not written by James Robinson. This was the um, the Justin Jordan. Was that his name? No, that's no. the artist. Yeah. Uh, oh. No, no it's, it's, it's Tom Taylor, the character Taylor. from The Run oh. Written. He's writing. Right. Earth That's two. why I remember it, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I knew it. Peter um, Parker. It's, uh, they're all alliterative names. I had to huh? vamp as it, as it opened on Comicsology. Um, so this was okay. I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, though. I mean, I, Paul, did you give this a shot? <laughs> yeah, I did because you put it on the list. I wasn't going to, but I saw it. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. Um, Lois Lane as Red Tornado. Yeah, she becomes the new Red Tornado. Because she had been injured and General Lane puts her consciousness or whatever in like a lady Red Tornado. We don't do that enough in real life. You know, I feel like we have robots, we've got people who are dying, we could be putting them in there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then like angry, angry Superman, angry Batman. Like in the, the one of the big reveals here is that this evil Superman who is wearing a chain around his neck. Um, and a black Superman. <laughs> yeah, like like an actual chain, and and he he hey. he like he like curb stomps uh, Doctor Fate, and he's like, no more magic. And the, the the whole thing here is that like because he's badass Superman, he's immune to magic, unlike the regular Superman. I I'm real. I'm just really tired of evil Superman. He's got a like between time. Forever Evil and. Like, you know, an Ultraman and everything. I'm just so tired of it. Yeah. Um, but there's something, you know, it's it doesn't feel that different from what James Robinson was doing. Maybe because Nicola, uh, Nicola Scott. You reading all along? 
I, I read off and on. You've dipped in and out of it. Yeah. I've dipped in and out. That's fair. I'm is like, Green Lantern dead? No, he's not. Or do they dead. just think he's they, dead? They just think he's dead. Because it was gonna be like that would be really bad if they killed off that character. No, no, no. It was just it was the, it's the classic sort of. There's been an explosion. He's dead. Yeah, no, he's I, alive. I figured. Aragorn is drowned. No, he's back. You know, yeah. kind of thing. Um, it's not the big doors. I'm gonna give it a couple. Let's watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Let's just podcast while we watch Lord of the Rings. Um, I've been watching the Hobbit appendices all week. Um, Are they better than the movie? <laughs> I like because the, the thing is, I don't want to watch the movie at all again, but I I, I really liked watching the appendices. They're really good. Um, and, and Richard Taylor is still doing. Richard Taylor. Oh my god, he's so weird. Eighty-five to eighty-seven percent of the so, such bizarre things. Yeah, he he's does so everything. Great. Richard Taylor is fantastic. Um, so I'm gonna give it a couple of issues to see where it's going. I didn't. I didn't see something to make me decide either way if I was going to, you know. I'm just going to, if something crazy happens, like, I want to check out, I'll look in, but I don't think I'm going to be steadily reading this. So, question for you guys. What happened to Mark Bagley? Now, here's the the problem with this. For whatever reason, I don't notice these issues. Right. Because they're named Cataclysm something, and they just don't look like something that I would want to read, even though I'm I'm like, oh, I want to read that. So, I I didn't. I'm looking right now. I know Catac- that covers Cataclysm, the Ultimate's Last Stand, number one, is the oh. first issue of the big event in the Ultimate Universe that may or may not end it. Who knows if that's going to happen or not. But it's it's written by Bendis, drawn by Bagley, the original Spider-Man team. And it's also inked by Andrew Hennessy, who clearly um, is changing the look of Bagley's work quite a bit. I think he was inking in a car. I think he was on a road What's trip and he was in Yankee. That's my thing. I was reading and it's completely like he's supposed to be bigger and taller, I think. Well, and also he, his he face lost changed. weight. But yeah, he looks like a hedgehog sometimes. He's also dressed like George Costanza. He, he gained he the weight back on the second he, page. Yeah, he looks very amorphous. And I thought that was like, is this the worst Peter Parker that's ever been drawn? That's <laughs> very distracting. It uh, it was had very a lot weird. of trouble. You expect the Bendis and Bagley book to look differently, but uh, in this issue, Galactus, the Marvel Universe Galactus, has made his presence known to the Ultimate Universe, and uh, before the Ultimates can get there, uh, Miles Morales has to put the Spider-Man suit on to save people from the destruction. So you've got Invisible Woman, you've got the Thing, you've got Thor and Iron Man and Miles Morales, and Human Torch and Hawkeye, and Captain a- America, and Spider Girl, Spider Woman. Oh, yeah, Spider Woman's in there. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't. Not a lot happened in this issue, and I know that's, a, that's a often... big long conversation about I'm why honestly, Miles' dad doesn't like superheroes. And I'm honestly, I'm just flipping through it right now, and like, I can tell you, I can tell nothing happened. Yeah, and that's like, often a knock on Bendis, but I, which I don't agree with, because usually there's a lot of great character work. But there yeah. wasn't even a lot of great character work. It was just kind of like Galactus shows up, and there's a lot of big, big panels of destruction that. Spider-Man helps with, and then see, you know, like he got away with that in Spider-Man. So I'll now I've learned to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yes, in, yes, because in that was the same thing. Like nothing happened in the first one, and even the character yeah. work was like, yeah, we know. And but he got to yeah. it. But the so. the um the big the, I mean the opening walk and talk really needed some editing. Um, it, that could have been chopped down a bit, I think. And uh, it, really, you could sum this up in like two sentences. Like, I mean, you have those two sequences. And oh no, Galactus! This is a problem. Is sort of the cliffhanger. My, I what? This grant, guy is huge. Granted, this is a this is just the very first issue, um, but I'm looking at the last you know the next issue page and it's Cataclysm Two, also Cataclysm Ultimate Comics, the Ultimates Number One, also 
Cataclysm Ultimate Comics, X-Men number one, also. No. I mean, like, no. there's a lot of... There better be some interesting story going on, because I, all I see on covers is people fighting Galactus in every one of them. So I'm going to do what I normally do in these instances. I'm going to continue to read the books that I read. Right. Till uh, the book that I really liked a lot ends, uh, in a in a in a whimper. Yeah, I'm just gonna read Ultimate Spider-Man. That's what I that's what I like. Yep. And well, I mean, Ultimate's has been great, and I'll continue. Read, I'll read the Ultimate's tie-in, the Ultimate book true. by Fiocco. I like the really I like the Hunger thing. That was Hunger good. was really good. So the Ultimate, you're right. The Ultimate's book was it was so bad for such a long time that I keep forgetting. You the one who got I, me on it, it again. I know, I know, but then it went away. I was like, this is great. All right, we're done. Come on. <laughs> so. Paul, tell the people how they can help. All right, if you like, if you like Galactus and would like to run around as a minifig Galactus, you should go over to ifanboy.com/amazon and pick up the uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes game because I was having a hoot and a half playing that, and it would help us out because we get a little bit of a commission from the sale to Amazon, and they've got money to spare. So, and so do you. So head on over to ifanboy.com/amazon. You can make that your bookmark. And we'll always get a little piece of the pie. Uh, and also, you can help us out by going to ifanboy.com slash registration. And uh, if you, if you want to help keep the lights on, uh, send us $3 a month or $30 a year. It's gone down from the original subscription plans. Um, but we greatly appreciate it. And, uh, and we love you guys. So, so thank you so much for, for, for helping us out. You're really committing us to a love relationship with the people that I'm not comfortable with. I'm, I love I'm them. I love the people. Except, you know, the ones I don't. Okay. But cool. most of them, I think, are, are really great. That is fair. Th- all right, so here's the thing about East of West. We've talked about this a little bit. I started it, and I was like, all right, let's just do this. <laughs> it's going to be really good. I also figured out this week that I get, I get Nick Dragota and, and Nick Patara mixed up in my head. Right. So do because I. Because now that you mentioned They both work with Hickman. They both yeah. have the same first name and phonetically similar last names. At least this is Dragota? Yeah, this is Dragada. The other um, one is Patara Manhattan does Project. does Manhattan Project. They don't look right. their their work doesn't look the same. No, it doesn't. But Jordy colors actually no, that's Frank Martin. Um, anyway, uh, like I said, I opened it up and I was like, <sighs> but uh, it, it's a, it was a good issue because it was sort of uh, focused. It had a sort of small, um, sort of a small story that was sort of self-contained, and there was a, like a problem we open up on, and then we get to see some history. And then, uh, and then we, we go back to the the, uh, the problem, and sort of becomes an ongoing thing. Uh, basically, uh, Death uh, finds this baby after they massacre a village, um, and that's sort of the middle bit. And he raises him to be his own. And, and the sort of subtitle for the issue is, um, let's see, where is it? Are you an agent of the end times? And that question keeps coming up over and over again. And you sort of see this. If if you're gonna have a relationship with death, it's gonna probably be a dysfunctional relationship. If I had a nickel for here. every time someone asked exactly. That. <laughs> um, this is you know. this is a really pretty issue too. Um, Very there's pretty. a there's a panel in here where you're they're at that at the canyons and you're looking at um, the riders on their sort of locust robot mounts, mm-hmm. and you're you're looking at them head on and you see that the, these weird they have like no heads. And I just thought it was really stark and beautiful, and the colors there were were really lovely. Yeah, the colors um, were really nice for the flashback. Yes, very nice. Um, I was a really good issue. Uh, I just it was probably the one I've enjoyed the most out of any of them in a while. Like it's a good book, and I don't mean to break it down, but like the sort of rewards of it seem to be few and far between a little bit. 
because we we relish in a little bit, which is which is what you should come to expect with Jonathan Hickman. There's no no you know that's that's what we sign up for. Work for it. But there's something about when it gets badass and when you see you know death coming, guns and guns a blazing. It feels really like it feels like Unforgiven, like it's really cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, so Drum Heller number one uh, by Riley Rossmo, who did the art and also collaborated on the story with Alex Link. Um, sort of uh, occult detective stories in comics and, and any media really are kind of a dime a dozen these days. This one is a bit of a diamond in the rough though um, and it literally starts on the rough because he's on a golf course. This guy is in a like a, like a robe and he's got a golf club and he's being struck by lightning and he sees a peacock and <laughs> the peacock lays a golden egg and he forces the golden egg out of the earth in this in this thunderstorm and he looks down through the hole and he sees some wacky stuff. And this is a very trippy, very like on peyote kind of. Did you read this issue or are you on LSD? Um, it, LSD might have helped a little bit um, in, in, in putting this together. But um, I kind of I kind of like the laid backedness of, of this Drum Heller character. And that's his name, Drum Heller. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's kind of sleeping around, sleeping on couches going about his occult ways. There are spirit animals. There's a werewolf. Uh, his girlfriend is, is or his, his ex-girlfriend um, is, is bisexual and also had a, had a fling with this, this female werewolf. And um, I'm very curious to see where it goes, but it's Riley Ross. I had a nickel. <laughs> very, I, I couldn't even help it. <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, it's, you know, I, there these occult detective stories again. There's so many of them, but this one sort of sets itself apart um, in its tone, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a wild ride. So I'm I'm in it for at least the next issue. Um, also, Captain Marvel number 17, and this is the introduction of the character they've been hearing about so much this week, uh, Camilla, who is the new Ms. Marvel, because the old Ms. Marvel was, of course, uh, promoted to the Captain Marvel role. Um, this is also the return of Philippe Andrade, uh, one of my favorite, favorite oh, artists. Yeah. Um, I loved his arc, his previous arc on Captain so Marvel. Are you saying Ms. Marvel's like a title, like a rank? Ms. Marvel? Yeah. Um, Ms. Well, basically, the, the story okay. here, the story here is, and there's sort of famously, there's the Carol core um, in, in Kelly Sue DeConnick's fans and, and fans of this book and this character go out and cosplay the character, and um, she's very... Um, interactive with with the readership on this book, and she sort of brought that into the story that there's this community surrounding Carol Danvers and Captain Marvel, and Carol's going through a rough time right now because she had um, this brain injury and she's forgotten a lot of what it was to be who she was, and um, this little girl who's a big fan of Captain Marvel is going to teach her how to be Captain Marvel again, and it's very touching, and uh, the city of New York has given her she needed a new apartment and they gave her the the rights to live in the Statue of Liberty. So her apartment is now in the, the crown of the Statue of Liberty because they don't want uh, tourists in there because of, you know, like terrorism and stuff. That'd be a very cold apartment. So by the end, basically said you you are going to live up there, and she still has to pay rent. But um, who better to live in the Statue of Liberty than uh, a, a superhero? And um, 
there's a there's like this this public ceremony where she is awarded this and like the keys to the city and um there's an attack and and she inspires a lot of people and um there's a like an i am spartacus moment where they all stand up and protect her from the bad guy um and these these drones like actual drone strikes come in and um one of the people who saw this on the news uh, was in Jersey City, and it's this girl, um, Kamala, uh, Kamala, who is uh, Pakistani-American um, and Muslim, and she decides, I'm going to be um, Ms. Marvel, um, because everyone's saying, I'm, I'm Captain Marvel, I'm Captain Marvel, I'm Captain Marvel, to protect the real one. And uh, she sort of flexes her bicep in the mirror, and it's a larger than usual bicep. And I think she's she's she's, she's got something going on. We, we've seen in some of the preview images that in her own series she's going to have um, that crease or, or not the crease, like the the shape shifting ability. I guess that's more of a scroll thing. That's a, that is a scroll. That's a scroll thing. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what's what's going on. I didn't I didn't read up on all of the the media surrounding. Um, the Ms. Marvel book, but take somewhere Paul Cornell's like I, yeah, I did this already. <laughs> so did so did, so did Jeff Johns with Green with Green Lantern. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But well, you know, like you don't have to just have one. Like no, no, I, I know, but I like at what point are, are we going to stop making a news and so that people can yeah exactly sure. It. It's not a, you know. not the first. It's a, anyway. Um, so trillion number four. I feel like I'm for diversity. <laughs> I'm saying it's not. It shouldn't be as big of a deal as it is. I, I just want to make that clear yes. before. I know you guys know it, but yes. yeah, I'll be on the New York Post before we know it. Trillium number four. Could you get in the New York Post? Because that would do wonders for our numbers. Um, trillium number four. Uh, I feel like we're sort of treading a lot of water with this book. Um, we're still outside the temple. So these two people, they still really can't communicate with each other. And... Uh, then at the very end, it said the end. I had to look to see if this was a four-issue miniseries, but it's not. Yeah. How many issues is it? It's not. There's more. There's more coming out. I didn't. I didn't look to see how many it was. Well, but it's limited, right? Or it's, it's not a limited yeah, series, but it's not a four-issue series. It just right. made it made it clear he does not want to do one of those long ones again. No, and I, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I but I mean, it's not a. It's end. not a. And then I just uh, thought it was a very weird four-issue miniseries, and then I looked, and there's you know but, five and six are coming out. So okay, so it's not. It's I was wondering if it was like a five or if it was an eight or twelve. I have, I have no idea. Maybe I, five will have nothing to do with this. I just know that there's more coming out. But the my main point is, I really enjoy Lemire in in trade and collected form when I can read most of the story. This you know chapter wise, it's hard because it, it does move very much. This one's moving in circles, I think. You know that sort of happened with um, with the Azzarello and Riso book, Spaceman. Mm-hmm. Where it was like really interesting, started off, and then it kind of like it, it petered out. That's that that one was like a twelve issue or an eight issue they, thing. I bet, they came up, I bet they came up with the number of issues before they had nailed down the plot. Well, you know what I mean? And no, both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a like, here's the pitch. Great. You know what? You can do twelve issues. Sure. Turns out no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like it. I really. You know, I don't I know. Love, I love cool. his art, and I think it's an interesting. Concept and, I, and and everything. It's just I I, I finished reading it. And I was like, well, that's kind of what happened in the last three issues of this. Just you know, they haven't yeah. left that courtyard. I seem to have. I don't remember if I read number three or not. It feels like a while since I've read it, and I don't know if I'm just at this point waiting until it's all said and done, and maybe that'll be better, mm-hmm. or if I'm going to go back and catch up. I don't know. We shall see. 
So uh, those are the books of the week we wanted to talk about. Now there, this was also a big week for uh, TV news related to comics. So we went. Yeah, early, earlier this week we were just like, no, there's no, there hasn't been really much news out, and I wonder what we're going to talk about on the show. And then, and then all hell broke loose. A bunch of things happened. So yeah. Let's get the the easy stuff out of the way first. So Warner Brothers announced two more DC shows in development, and it's really important to note that these are just development deals. We will probably never see these shows uh, on television, but. What the hell? We'll talk about him anyway. So Vertigo's iZombie got uh, got sold from the team behind Veronica Mars, Rob Thomas, and Diane Ruggiero. So that's that's an interesting. Um, Isn't uh, he making a Kickstarter movie? Well, they've Did already sh- they shot the Veronica Mars movie already. Oh, so that's then a trailer for the, it. Yeah. Is, is he going to do the next Matchbox Twenty album or? Well, what? you know. We'll, oh, that's not nice. Uh, um, <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't heard that it was Rob Thomas, but uh, that, yeah. that's. Kind of cool. So the idea behind iZombie, if you haven't read it, is is that uh, the main character is a coroner who's also a zombie, and she uses her position as a coroner to eat brains to keep herself alive, so she doesn't have to kill anybody. But in eating the brains, she also gets the memories and therefore solves mur- murder mysteries. So it's kind of a procedural zombie concept with a young female protagonist, which is sort of right in Rob Thomas's uh, you know wheelhouse. So it's it's interesting. Interesting um, side note behind the scenes of that is <laughs> Chris Robertson sort of uh, uh, in, a, in a spectacular fashion sort of said, you know what, DC, I'm done with you. Yeah. Salt of the earth. Like, yeah. Like yeah. So I, and, and it's a Vertigo book. So theoretically, he would, he would have some sort of ownership um, or would have in the past. Right. But I, I just, just saying all that. I didn't, I'm not, that's all I've said. Right. So that's, that's an interesting one. I mean, zombies are hot, and uh, so this Cor- is... Coroners are hot, too. <laughs> coroners are hot, and uh, procedurals are hot, so it's interesting. Um, that one actually, you know, just knowing all those things are hot has, has a better than better chance to... And we, we just, just from us to you... Also, iPhones are hot, so there you go. So I was going to say, uh, think about that lowercase i <laughs> um, before you move forward, and it becomes your brand, because you can't go back. Yeah, now, Our Man uh, was a... <laughs> With the second show. Sorry. There you go. It took you a minute. Time release one. Uh, Our Man is the second show announced this week. Um, for Speaking of time release. Being developed by Michael Kalea, who was the man behind the recently canceled Ironside re- reboot. Um, this Didn't one is the... Like episode and a half. Cla- like, I think it meant two or three. This, this, this is the classic JSA character, but as you may imagine, changed quite a bit for television, at least according to the description that was put out. Um, there'll be no miracle, miracle. No, what's the name of the pill? What's the drug? Miracle low, miracle, Mir- miracle. Uh, yeah. No miracle pills. No powers for an hour. Basically, the only thing that's re- remaining is that he sees what's coming an hour in advance. And so, so it has nothing to do with our Iron Man. Our, uh, our Man. Well, Our Man had that power. Iron- our Man also has that power. They're just getting rid oh, of okay. the drug addict superpower it, side of it. I love that the drug is the interesting part, and of course, it's the part it's, where I was like, they're never going to sell that on TV. Yeah. Right. Well, it's a little bit. So it's a little bit like Morning Edition. Early edition, but more. F- Frantic morning edition. Early morning edition. edition is the is the early edition. Morning edition is the CNN show uh, in the morning. Early edition. I should know Kyle this. Chandler. My professor at college created that show. Kyle Chandler uh, was the star of, of right. early edition, where he got the pa- tomorrow's paper today. Yeah, you get yeah, and the I cat that show. Yeah. Right, and he didn't just um, go to the track every single episode. Uh, he wasn't allowed to. Fate would not allow him to profit off of it. Yeah. So fate is his Doctor Brown. <laughs> yes, basically. Yes. His, so. his his sidekick tried to. He always wanted to get the lottery numbers, but uh, so I got to tell you. But um, it turned out that he had just had a copy of Ooh La La. 
<laughs> I, tell you, I love the JSA. Uh-huh. Um, I've it's never been a huge Hourman fan. I like. I always like Hourman's design quite a bit. I like his design, like the hood and everything, but like his power says, like he's never been one of my favorites. Like Paul, I, I, Paul will say, if you go to Paul and say, "Listen, Paul, I've got this crippling addiction. I need your help." Paul will just close the door in your face. <laughs> well, you're in a if you're in a mustard and ketchup colored outfit. <laughs> well, what I, I someone though. What I do like about Hourman, I I liked the relationship between him and Liberty Bell or Jesse Quick, as she was also known. Oh yeah, and that was awesome. There's a potential tie in there to the Flash if they wanted it, but we don't know if it's going to be connected to I, our Flash or not. I have right? heard. You've this, heard this, this may or not be may or not be true. I have heard that all the all these DC shows are not all in the same universe. They'll be very different from each other. Okay. Well, I, I knew that like the Gotham well, show that's, that's on Fox, that's going to be different. But so then the, this is so DC has been very or Warner Brothers TV has been very busy in the last even, just like month and a half, two months it seems like. So we've got the Flash spinning off of the era, of Arrow, which is happening soon. I think the first episode of the Flash happens uh, next month or late this month. Oh, cool. it happens very soon. And then that they're getting a spinoff show. And then so you've got iZombie Hour Man, and then there was the Gotham we talked about a couple of episodes ago, Gotham at Fox from the guy behind The Mentalist, and then Constantine at NBC. So there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in development. We'll see if anything. I think I think I blocked out Constantine. Reaches the air, (laughs) other than the Flash. Now that was the that was the easy one. The big one that sort of hit like an atom bomb, which I think was one of the reasons why we had those two late DC announcements happen on top of each other on the same day was that uh, Marvel Studios announced with Netflix are doing five series, uh, four 13-episode four series uh, going over multiple years, beginning in 2015, ending with a miniseries that bring, brings them all together that, quote, reimagines a dream team of self-sacrificing heroic characters, uh, which, you know, you're going to get about 60 episodes of TV from Marvel, Marvel Studios and ABC through Netflix uh, TV shows. And it all starts with... There's a Daredevil series, an Iron Fist series, a Luke Cage series, a Jessica Jones series, and they're all going to come together in a Defenders miniseries. And, uh, so they're saying those are the Defenders? Yes. The Defenders aren't an additional No, team. these are the Defenders. Okay. And uh, that, I mean, this is crazy. You're getting the Netflix model, so they're all going to be done. You're going to get those 13... Are, those th- are, the, go are the Marvel Knights. You're basically getting Marvel Knights, yes. Yeah. Um, but it's like people were, people were saying irrelevant. like why isn't why isn't this called like heroes for hire or instead of the defenders because the defenders that's it's like silly. that's like Doctor Strange and the Hulk and the, the, the defenders is any team Silver of Surfer. people who don't go together yeah although all these characters go together yeah. uh, but, so you're gonna get you're gonna get the full series they're gonna drop all the episodes on you at one time at least per per show you know right 2015 right. is gonna be Daredevil who knows how long it's gonna take to actually get to the defenders but uh, it's very interesting. Is- it's it really interesting, not just from a, a – this indicates some sort of a Disney-Netflix agreement that is pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and so the, I well, mean, they, like just, they Netflix, also just made a deal for their exclusive movie distribution, yeah. so they've clearly got some sort of good deals going. But, but they also would have looked at sort of the, what this says about the other original series that Netflix are doing, which I, I think that's very interesting from a sort of business standpoint and how things change that, that a, a, a company that has a – Broadcast network has decided to do this. Right. Right. Have you guys watched those other Netflix shows? I've watched. I wa- I've watched I've, I've halfway of- through Orange Is the New Black, and I'm I'm very excited for uh, to finally watch House of Cards. I've watched the rest of development. I watched all that. The rest of development. I watched one episode. It kept buffering, and I gave up. Uh, I liked I all three of those. Loved them. I watched about I- half of House of Cards. I got kind of bored. I was really into House of Cards. I, I liked Spacey's performance in that. Yeah, um, no, it was. It was just. It was just. I felt bad all the 
time. It's it's, um, just a, it's a very interesting distribution <laughs> model discussion. Uh, you're, right, it's, you're right. It's interesting that a, that a company like Disney, who, which owns ABC, a broadcast network, is just deciding to go this route. Um, very. Well, they're also they're also using you know ABC. They've got agents. Well, of no, they're not. But but it's it's but they're not going right. exclusively to ABC. And you know, one of the things one of well, the that's benefits problem. is I, that I love the Netflix shows. No, but that's, that's what makes it so interesting, to, at least to Josh and I, is that from a distribution right. standpoint. And no, I, I think it's interesting. Too. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of people have problems with Agents of Shield. I enjoy it, but it's it's certainly not. It's certainly very watered down version of of the Marvel Marvel. Cinematic you know, it would universe. make it. You know, I mean, there's multiple things that would make it better. But one thing that would make it really better is if they didn't have to do 22 episodes. Right. Exactly. A season. If they just had to do, I think eight or 13 is perfect. Some of our favorite shows in recent years are eight to 13 episodes. You have like you know Maybe. Breaking Bad and Mad Men and. Maybe that's a clue to why it's on Netflix because it's also a smaller it, budget they, too. If it's, well, obviously it's a smaller budget, and that was an, the next point I was going to make. But if you put a show on a network, no matter what it is, then the people who are producing that show, the people who have been hired to work on it, or whatever, are going to expect a certain amount of compensation and a certain sort of duration of the work because of those are the regular things. So they can get around that by saying, "Well, we're going to we're going to do it on Netflix with this model, which makes it more like a, a cable show." That again, though, they have cable networks to do that with so that's really interesting i'm really curious how um how the shows are going to look mm-hmm. because yeah. you know you can do a really good show with very little budget you can look at battlestar galactica or something like that and see that there's a way to do that you can do a show with very little budget that doesn't look very good shield and you know or just it looks like a, a cheap action show mm-hmm. which there's always been a place for but i think that when people are used to seeing these characters, or, or at least the related characters, in the context of a, of sort of the big budget movies, yeah, it becomes uh, problematic. Yeah, I think it'd be so very you, you got to think. You know, I mean, it's it's telling they chose these characters. These are very street level, street gritty level character, yeah. characters. There's not going to be a lot of Shatari invasions in Hell's Kitchen. You know, it's more. You know, this will be a lot of punching. I hope that it's not like I really hope that we don't hear like centipede and some of the things like and um what's the the thing from Iron Man three? Uh, uh, the the oh you stumped me. <laughs> Aim? No, the the thing. No, that, the, 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 the stuff the, they inject them with. Oh, the uh, uh the flame blood thing. Yeah, flame blood. Flame blood. Extremis. Extremis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope we don't hear like extrem or like um tesseract like. I want this to be its own little I, pocket. I mean, if I'm them, I'd want to put that in there. Yeah, you want to. I think you it's. Have... I. Th- you know the other thing that the first thing that really struck me is that um, this is ex- what's happening right now is exactly what uh, Stanley was trying to do in the '70s. Yeah. It's exactly what Stanley was trying to do in the '70s, and nobody would take him up before on it. And I think that it's really fascinating that his his vision. And it's his. I'll give I'll, you. Got to give him credit for this. His vision to do things like this is actually coming true forty years later. Right. That's fascinating to me. That mm-hmm. he was that much ahead of the game. That like they couldn't do those things. Yeah, they just think that the technology wasn't where he he was. Um, okay. It's going to be really interesting. Two thousand fifteen is a long way out, but it's going to be a crazy <laughs> year. These Daredevil will premiere the same year as the Avengers sequel, as the new Star Wars movie. Um, as Man of, yeah, big week for versus, Disney. Batman versus Superman. I mean, it's going to be a crazy. That's a crazy year. That will also be our tenth year of podcasting, by the way. D- Disney's. Uh, Disney, Disney's. Will it be? Disney's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Disney's like sort of goal for the year is just to make all of the money. 
Like, yeah. if there, is there a movie being spent on entertainment? If there money being spent on entertainment, that we would like that money. Give us the money. <laughs> so what's interesting, of- I, I noticed in a couple of the stories was that um, I saw an offhanded com- quote that saying they were doing it. This was at least four series. So if this goes well, they might want to replicate this with other characters they can't use in the films. And as as Iger said uh, to, in a call with investors on Friday or Thursday, he said, "You know, these are characters that were never going to be in the movies." Yeah. So that really yeah. shows you what they're what and, they're focusing on. I mean, people said, "Well, Daredevil, they got Daredevil, make a Daredevil movie." They were, apparently they were never going to make a Daredevil movie. So, and if everyone uh, if they spawn like a like a cult following for any of those characters, it's however many of those ancillary T-shirts and whatever. But it's also sell it works opposite. If Daredevil is gigantic, and we have no way of knowing because Netflix doesn't really serve their viewing numbers, but Disney will certainly know. Um, then you could actually get a Daredevil film because everything everything sure. funnels towards movies. So. Yeah, uh, it's very. Well, these are these are great. These are great characters for serials. Like, uh, I mean, it, you know, of course, Jessica Jones. Like, w- that would be a terrible movie, um, or it's just not. It's not f- fit for a movie. Like as a serial, like as like kind of like a Rockford kind of thing. This would be kind of cool. If you're a Daredevil fan, I don't see why if it's good, and that's really the thing. I don't see if it's, if it's good that you don't like this more than a movie. And you're gonna get 13 hours of Daredevil as opposed to. Right, I am much more excited about this as a TV show than as a which, movie. Which makes so much, which is so much more analogous to how a comic book yeah. reader reads something. So, which which one, which of these are you most excited about? Daredevil. I, Daredevil. Yeah, I love Daredevil. I don't know. I think they could all be cool. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all good. I like all these characters. I like all the characters. It's neat because they all fit together, but like they could each be like really different. We've got a kung especially, fu series, especially Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Yeah, you got a you got a kung fu series. You got like a PI series. You can you know you can do a lot of different things here, and so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they actually do different kind of genres with them. Um, I hope they do, but they also have to keep it they, in that world. They have to make it feel like it's part of that can, world. Can they curse? Can there can there be the you know? They, Theoretically, could. they can, but I can't imagine they will. They'll, they'll probably curse to the level of like an Iron Man movie. Yeah, which had one or two curses in it. Anyway, that was the big news. This, I mean, this really shook up uh, the whole town I'm in. It, I remember I went out and had drinks that the day of the announcement, and it, people were talking about it. It was it's a big deal. So uh, it's either Disney or an earthquake. Disney, Disney or an earthquake. We never know for sure. Same same difference a lot of times. Let us. Yeah. Squeeze in a couple of questions. Uh, this this first question is also film related. I'm sorry. The second question is film related. Let's do that one first since it's film related. Uh, Jeff, who's Randall four thousand on the website, from, he's from Atlanta, Georgia, and he says, "I recently finished watching Green Lantern the animated series, and it struck me how superior it was in almost every way to the Green Lantern movie." I set aside some time to imagine the first six-episode arc of the animated series serving as the plot for the movie and how awesome it might have been. I thought about that for a good few hours, and then I spent the rest of my afternoon thinking about DC's <laughs> other television stuff. But good, 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 great job, Jeff. Uh, I spent the rest of the afternoon thinking about DC's other television output and how they've managed to deliver cons- consistent, high-quality storytelling on the small screen, live action as well as animation. Disclaimer, Smallville had its ups and downs, but I'd give it a solid 7 out of 10 overall, 7.5 out of 10 overall. Sounds right. The next day, I began to wonder why DC and Marvel feel compelled to spend one entire motion picture on an origin story that could either be told in less time within the movie as a subplot or possibly not at all. Do we really need to see a two-hour origin story for Green Lantern, Captain America, or Thor? Spielberg avoided the pitfalls Indiana Jones. In fact, we didn't get an Indiana Jones origin until the third film, and it took up less than 15 minutes. So with this in mind, do you think we'll ever get to see a Flash or Aquaman movie that doesn't fall into the origin story trap? Or do the studios feel it's too risky to just tell a new story? On the same side of the coin, can the Batman franchise be rebooted without another origin story? 
Okay, I, I apologize for laughing. I was just thinking of Jeff like in a swing. That's not a. He should apologize. It was a. He's no. a great callback joke. I, that's all I was, and he carried it out to the second paragraph. Yeah. The next day he began to wonder. See, yeah, he's no. in plus that's, twenty-four hours of thinking. That's a fine callback to one of our earlier jokes. Um, Indiana Jones's origin story would be would be grad school. That'd be boring. You're li- you're living in a different world than Indiana Jones time. That's that's all. I mean, like, to, to, if I were to look at this, the only thing that I, I think is it, it's a movie studio, and a movie studio is like winning formulas, and they go, well, this works, let's do this, and that's why, and that's why it's more valuable in a movie form because if that movie hits, if that movie becomes, they will make billions of dollars, billions but I, but of I, dollars. But I, also, <laughs> I also think though, it's he's living in a different world in another way, in that he, you know, who Green Lantern is, right. Uh, my mom, my brother, my sister, who all need to go to this movie to hit the four quadrants to make a billion dollars for Warner Brothers, they don't know who Green Lantern is, mm-hmm. and they need to know who he is. Unfortunately, I'm not unfortunate for them, but they—that's what the you know. And people, they need to the people care. who live these characters every week know everything about them, and so they get annoyed when they see the origin story because you've seen it 15 times. But my grandmother hasn't seen the origin of Green Lantern; she doesn't know who he is, and she's got to care to. See, she's not going to see Green Lantern. But there's never been a Flash movie. There's never been an Aquaman movie. Right. So it's also the first opportunity to do that in the film medium. So they're they're not going to be able to help themselves. And the film a film supersedes everything that came before it because yeah. of the massive size of the potential audience. It and, does uh, it still dwarfs money. everything. And yeah. yeah. It, the and I'm also weird in that I love origin stories. I love them. I will, I love I will them constantly too. watch them. I, I I do think it's the most interesting aspect of the characters. How did they how did they get to be there? What 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 made Bruce Wayne put on that costume is to me very interesting. Now I, I love to see. I don't uh, think they're going to do another Batman origin for a while, though. I don't think. So. Well, I, you know, in the Batman vs Superman, he's not. It's the end of his career, as opposed to the beginning. So they're <laughs> they're clearly. Okay yeah, because they were originally. It would have been interesting because they were originally going to do just another Batman, like series with a new actor, and but now it's just it's going to be part of the Superman thing. So I don't know what. The, and I, I so I don't know. This is a, sort of a new wrinkle that if they're going to introduce other characters into just the Superman line of films or the versus line of films, and they might be. God, that would be awful. I don't. I don't know that. You know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I think Josh is right. You know. They have to go by what's worked for them because that's the way this this town works. And and uh, it's going to take somebody to break the mold. I mean, the, the, you guys are going to have to let me know because I'm not going to go see Man of Steel two. Um, what's interesting is the Hulk not. film, the Incredible Hulk film, did the origin in the title credits. Yes. That was really good. That was really an elegant way of doing it. Yeah. Um. But the Hulk's origin is kind of he got irradiated and, ever, and also. I mean, the Hulk. The Hulk's been around long enough that people, you know, this was a TV show, show. nine movies. But then you could, could, I mean, you could say the same for Batman, Superman, whoever. But the point is, the Hulk's origin itself is kind of simple. He got irradiated. Like Superman's is more complicated. Batman's is more emotionally complicated. Whereas Hulk just, you know, he stood too close to the microwave. Well, but then there was also Nick Nolte was also experimenting on his son, and it was just kind of a complex kind of relationship. They were poodles. They were poodles. That was a great sequence of the poodles. But um, poodles. you know, it, it's it's tough being a comic fan because you're so close to the material. You forget some. Maybe some people do forget that there are other people who aren't, and they need to be in on it too. Yeah, there are other people in the world. It's yeah. possible that the movies, even though you think they're for you, are yeah. not for you. No. Um, and Green Lantern: The Animated Series wouldn't have worked as a movie because you had all these ancillary characters in it too, which they wouldn't would have been very confusing for everybody. I'm actually surprised it did it that way. I mean, the only reason the Green Lantern animated series was structured the way it was is people thought 
that the Green Lantern movie would be such a big hit that everybody would go watch the cartoon. <laughs> and so they didn't explain anything. But. They'd never seen the Green Lantern movie? <laughs> well, I assume. <laughs> Listen, I, I had people from DC telling me months after that it, that it wasn't that bad. They were wrong. Yes, and if they said anything else, then there's a button on Diane Nelson's desk. And she, shot, she shocks them. She's, she makes them move across the country. And she tells them they have to move. Uh, let's right, do, should let's, we want to look at the next one? Yeah, you want to read it, Paul. All right, Daniel Camp from Waco, Texas. In movies, there are those films that try to get you to think and feel on a deeper level, but there are also what reviewers call popcorn movies, movies that aren't trying to make any real impact on the audience beyond two hours of entertainment. They don't ask much of you. They're disposable, but they can still be a lot of fun. So what's your current, what, so, uh, so what's your current popcorn movies? Some, what are your current popcorn comics, excuse me, something you're reading that you happily plunk down your 3 or $4 for, thoroughly enjoy reading, and then put in a long box or drawer with the knowledge that you'll probably never look at it or read that issue again. For example, mine is Detective Comics. Layman and Fabok aren't reinventing the wheel here, but they're telling entertaining superhero versus supervillain stories that I enjoy every month, sometimes even more than the more ambitious main Batman title. Um, I think this describes a lot of the comics. Nine, nine, nine out of ten. My, my answer is literally yeah. my, my answer was literally all of the issues. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. None of them are doing much to me on a deeper level because I don't expect them to. And when they do, that's a special thing. That almost happens. Yeah. more with graphic novels, you know, or you know, like a books like last week we talked about the Fifth Beetle. Yeah, it's things like that. It, to me, mainstream comic book superhero movies are popcorn. That's what they are. Comics. There's mean. different flavors of them. Yeah, I mean, like they're they're. No, you said that's movies. What, Anyway. Well, he said popcorn. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I, I, part I, of that yeah. is they've always part been of that, that way, is though. yeah. Part of that is just like um, the, the really been. special ones that you want to revisit are ones that they sort of take their time on. They may, and they're like the OGNs or there's their uh, vanity projects that they take a little time off to work on that on the side as like a mini series or something. Like, but they're, like they're, not, they're not the month to month books, which are what are most of the books that we end up. They're reading entertainment, they're, and not all entertainment is meant to shake you to your core and and it's most of it's just made to entertain you i mean most most of the stuff i watch on television is stuff i don't i wouldn't ever watch again or buy the blue the blu-ray set of you know most of the comics i read i'm not going to buy the trade of and read again they're just entertainment i need i need i need an hour of entertainment at night so i watch a show that i'm probably never going to watch again and i or i read a comic i'm never going to read again i mean just that's what they're designed for also you talk about some of the just like really simple comics some of those end up being the better crafted comics because they're so simple, and those are the ones that I want to revisit. Like, I'm really excited next year they're putting out a big omnibus of the Roger Langridge Muppets comics. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. That seems like it would be like this disposable licensed comic with like really simple jokes, but that's a really well put together book, and I would like to look at that again for the storytelling. Uh, yeah, but on the, on the on the reverse side, I just pre-ordered the Jeff Johns JSA Omnibus because I, I do want to read those again. I thought those were really great comics. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, most of them I'm not going to ever do that for, but but for some I will. And and it's part of, we've talked about this before, it's part of the reason why Josh and I don't keep our single issues anymore. Is you're never going to read them again. They're just taking up space. I don't have any. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm actively been getting rid, of, getting rid of them over the last year. And uh, because I'm never going to read them again. And there's no... Yeah, I'm going to be getting rid of mine too because they just... I've got like seven... I don't, I got like seven, eight long boxes in the basement, and I don't know what to do with them. Right. So yeah, 
I mean, that's. I the, don't want letters telling me to give them to. I know. I know. We know where to. We know where to send them. We've been getting rid yeah. of them. But the, it's just the a sheer amount of them. It, it takes feels quite heavy, and they're way downstairs. Yeah. Yeah, and if you have to ship them somewhere, that's like a big ordeal. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I think most comics for me are popcorn comics. But there's nothing wrong with popcorn comics. I like popcorn comics. I like popcorn movies. So. And if you if you hit if you hit a rich vein and it's something else, that's a win. That's a bonus. Yep. But I don't think that's the standard. No. If you want to email email us at contact at ifanboy.com or call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. Quick plug for the Thor The Dark World podcast that Paul and I recorded this week. We both saw Thor and Try. talked about it. And so you can find that on the feed behind this show or you can find it streaming on ifanboy.com or you can find it wherever podcasts are sold. <laughs> the special edition podcast for Thor The Dark World. You can also go to ifanboy and talk about it there too. If you're paying for podcasts, by the way, you're also being ripped off. <laughs> so, so just put that out there. For example, say that you have the ifanboy podcast for Thor and you're like, I paid eight, eight bucks for this. Someone screwed you. And screwed <laughs> us too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> So I was looking some guy that. on the street in a trench coat selling podcasts on thumb drives. Hey, hey I got the podcast. Keep walking, keep walking. Um, or kick the guy. Um, uh, uh, also, it fuzzy type with a microphone held to like the like a, like an iPod earbud. <laughs> it's like it's a bootleg copy. Hey, you like podcasts? You like podcasts? Times Square yeah. with the CDs and they hold. Yeah. That you'd walk by and they'd say, "You like hip hop? You hip hop fan?" I'm like, "That's a really big genre. I don't I don't know that I can." Also, sir, I'm wearing glasses. Do you commit to that? <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I'm going to my NPR show. Leave me alone. Also, over on Fuzzy Typewriter, I think we're going to be talking about Thor The Dark World as well, so there'll be another show uh, with even more of my opinions on that. Um, and then uh, I guested on Matt and Brett Love Comics. Um, I, that may be live by the time you, uh, you're listening to this, but uh, we spoke about The Mighty Thor by Walt Simonson, mm-hmm. issues 344 through 349, which is the introduction of Malekith who is, of course, in Thor The Dark World, and that was a good time. So Matt and Brett love comics with Matt Little and Brett Weitz. Are you, Check out all their shows. Are you going to come up with different opinions for the different podcasts where you talk about? I was about? thinking about that. Like, I'm going to be pro one. Are you going to do as many podcasts as you, did, as you did for Breaking Bad? No. Okay. No. Are you ever going to do that again? I am going to do that again. We have plans to do that with Mad Men. So. Okay. There you go. Uh, head over to ifanboy.com to comment on this show, talk about the week's books, talk about the TV show news, any, you know, anything we talked about this show, go ifanboy.com and talk about it there, as well as go talk about Thor The Dark World, one of the Thor podcast. All kinds of fun stuff happening there. Twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy is where you can follow the action as well as see what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. That way you're ready to follow along. Follow along at home. When we say you know, action, it's a little subdued. Listen, action is action, whether it's once a week or every day. Okay. Action. <laughs> it's a series of Jay Moore. That Didn't was. go very far. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. If you are Jay Moore, I would really like you to leave us a voicemail because that would be pretty funny and do it in Christopher Walken's voice. I liked action. I remember watching that enjoying it. I think I thought it was good at the time, but I was also like 22 and I just started working in Hollywood. So sure. now I wonder if I watch it now, if I was like, boy, this is dumb. Because a lot of people seem to think it was dumb, but who knows? No, it was, it was a critically well-regarded show. It was one of those, okay. like, it was one of those like, shows people lamented, or critics lamented when it was canceled. Yeah. But it was yeah. also but one people, of those, naval, it was another navel-gazing Hollywood show, which people, there you go. no one And watched. also, people tend to not like Jay Moore. And by people, I mean industry. 
Right. Uh, okay. Now that four of you are listening to this, if you dig <laughs> us, write us a review on iTunes or better yet, tell your friends about us, introduce your mom to the podcast, spread that iFanboy all around, all over, Ooh. all around. Oh, yeah. Oh. Get yourself a butter oh, yeah. knife, baby. Come on. Put it on your toast. And I don't mean toast. All righty then. Uh, until right. next week, I'm Connor and very uncomfortable I, as well. <laughs> I'm Paul. Yeah. I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm going to be anything you want, baby. I'm your dream. Or Josh. That's what, what is that? that I don't doing? know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a thing that started happening. And now it's a little it Tim Meadows. It was a little bit. ladies' man in it, but it sort of, I don't yeah, know. It's different. I know. There was a basis of that there, but I just went with it. It was like a country fried ladies' man. Yeah. Short fried pickles. I like, like some butter. It's delicious. <laughs>